0: Hi, it's Hal Anderson. Thanks for checking out the daily podcast for my show, Connecting Winnipeg. And if you can, please listen live weekdays from ten to noon on six eighty CJOB. We normally uh, talk with Dan McTagg, president of the Canadian of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Uh, when uh, gas prices are are a story, and and they actually are a little bit today, we'll get to that in a second. But Dan, first of all, good morning, and I I want to start with the carbon tax rebates that are people people are seeing in their bank accounts and in their their mailboxes today. When, when I talk to and the carbon tax is confusing. When I talk to people, <laughs> um, they say to me, "Okay, so I'm being taxed, and then I'm getting the money back again." Uh, is that what you hear from most people?
1: Well, it's been going on for some time in my province here in Ontario. You get one check a year; it uh, goes up every year as the uh, carbon tax increases every year. So, yeah, people are sort of—I'm uh, hearing some cases how that some are saying, "Oh, this is totally new. This is great, wonderful. I've never heard this before." It's a rehash of what's been going on for a couple of years now. Some provinces have had to settle this issue uh, because it was going to the provincial government as opposed to consumers. I suppose that's a good thing uh, in and of itself, but when you realize the uh, the impact of higher uh, prices on diesel and gasoline <clears throat> and it makes its way through the economy in terms of higher food prices, higher home heating prices, higher transportation prices, driving up the cost of everything – well, you have to look at what the parliamentary budget officer says. That's Ottawa's, uh, if you will, uh, watchdog. No uh, political uh, agenda. Saying, hey, guess what? You're going to be worse off as a result of this. So, uh, you know, how I want to, you know, be be courteous, but I, I I've got to be really blunt. It's a bribe. Uh, you're being extorted with your own money, and unfortunately, it's leading to much higher inflation. The kind of inflation that the Bank of Canada is now having to fight with higher interest rates. So the consequences of these things isn't just, hey, I'm getting a rebate, that's wonderful. It's that the effect of all of this, the totality of all this, is hurting you financially far more than what you're getting back.
0: Well, and with prices increasing, a lot of people have been calling on the federal government, provinces as well, but the federal government, to give us a break at the pumps or ease up on the carbon tax a little bit. We haven't seen that. Do you think government's going to do that at
1: all? Not this government. Look, I'm a Liberal member of Parliament of 18 years. This is not the same Liberal Party that would have been concerned about that. And I was, as a member of Parliament, convinced John and Paul Martin twice to get in energy rebates to Canadians because the government was flush with cash. This is a cash cow for the federal government, and they ought to be rebating it. If nothing else, forget the carbon tax. They're making 5% on the increase, which is 48% above last year. That's a few billion bucks that you never had before. That doesn't, you shouldn't be sucking that out of the economy. You should be giving that back to help Canadians, especially those on fixed incomes. Those are having a tough go of it, especially post-COVID. I mean, we're not all rich cashing in on our homes. And so I think we have to now look at, uh, you know, what this is doing. And it's leading to... Uh, economic uh, consequences for a lot of people well beyond, you know, uh, the issue of simply I can't afford to make ends meet. This is something where the federal government can and should and won't act. And it's for that reason that uh, it'll be up to voters in 2025 to, uh, to ask the question, why are their fixation with these kind of tax and spend policies that are really hurting Canadians at a time which they need the most?
0: I agree with what you've said, and I think a lot of people do agree with you. Uh, is it helping with carbon? Th- that's the bottom line. I think we wouldn't feel so bad about what it's costing us if we knew it was helping. Is it helping?
1: Well, we all want to do right by the environment. This is not the way you do right because we're talking only about one pollutant, uh, one particular molecule. Let's talk about all forms of pollution out there, and uh, and we'll find that on that score we've done not too bad a job. But as far as carbon, No. It's not going to reduce anything. We still need, uh, you know, to produce as a country with the fourth largest production of energy in the world. Uh, we could be a lot greater. Uh, we need to ensure that we, we put our you know, our priorities in perspective. Countries like Germany, Britain, France, Spain, China, India are saying, what is Canada's major malfunction? Why aren't you building pipelines to get natural gas and oil to us? as opposed to us having to rely on Saudi Arabia, Arabia, Venezuela, Iran, or worse, yes, Russia. The fact is that uh, Canadians have lost their way. And unfortunately, we have a government that seems to be preoccupied, I would say, obsessed with climate. And unfortunately, I don't think that's something that Canadians are uh, necessarily, we're a more balanced group of people. We don't uh, fuss over just one thing to uh, to the exclusion of all others.
0: Well, we'll see what people have to say at the ballot box. While I've got you, I've got to ask you about gas prices. Yeah. We had listeners say we're down to one eighty five nine at one station. I went online and snooped around at a few sites that I look at. I think there's a couple in town that are at one eighty two nine. We were kind of slow to come back down to that yeah. level, uh, but I'm told that's where we should be about now.
1: No, Hal. Listen, it's costing gas stations a buck sixty taxes in to replace their fuel today. Why are they charging a buck 89, a buck 85 or yes, even a buck 82? That's 22 to 30 cent retail margins and that is unacceptable. And this is a problem in Manitoba, Saskatchewan and Alberta and central BC It's not a problem in Ontario they in fact Vancouver uh, <laughs> high, highest prices in the country, uh, seven cent retail margins. I don't think gas stations can survive on that but I, you know it's time for the gas stations to recognize that if your wholesale price for gasoline on a day like today is a buck 17 buck 18. You add uh, ten cents federal tax, uh, uh, fourteen cents provincial tax, and eleven point zero five, which is a carbon tax, plus the HST. That gives me a subtotal of a buck sixty a liter, not a buck eighty nine. So I think gas prices need to fall another ten cents a liter before folks like me, who've been in this business for a hell of a long time, start to realize that there's no problem here. Gas stations shouldn't be charging twenty and thirty cent retail margins. Fifteen is just plenty.
0: Will they drop to that level? Do you think anytime soon?
1: Well, Hal, you're one of the first people to ask me for the breakdown in fuel. I think now that people understand that they're being fleeced, uh, I think uh, there may be some pressure on them, at least some M- MNAs, MLAs. will uh, will take note of the fact that if you look at the wholesale price of gasoline at the taxes in, the only ones who are making off like bandits here are gas stations. And I, I'm, not fi- I'm not pointing them out. I'm saying these people have a significant amount of market power to maintain prices at those levels. If they don't it change and behave, then we have a competition issue.
0: Is this an example of what they call greedflation, uh, Dan? Because in the past, um, gas stations really didn't make a whole lot of money off a liter of gas. But but that has apparently changed, I guess, eh?
1: Well, they've been disciplined so badly. And that's where I began this battle back in 1995 uh, over the fact that they were being disciplined into oblivion. Independents were being run out of town. and I can show you a litter of, of hundreds of gas stations that were killed by their supplier We have a situation now where a lot of these gas stations are corporate chains, and uh, they have a refinery, they're still vertically integrated, or they have a relationship, a a very strong one. I don't have a problem with them making 10 to $0.15 a litre, which is extraordinarily generous. I do have a problem, though, when they're charging 25 and $0.30 as a retail margin. The breakdown, the numbers don't lie, Hal. Gas stations here in Winnipeg, across the province, that are charging anywhere from $1.85 to $1.89, are making off of 25 to $0.30 cents a litre as a retail margin. That's excessive, and it's going to get called offside sooner or later. Dan, appreciate
0: your time. Dan McTagg, President of Canadians for Affordable Energy. Let's bring in Cyrus Dirksen. Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, CyrusDirksen.com, S-Y-R-S, s y r s dot scom Cyrus, good morning. Good morning, Hal. How are you doing? I am good. Good to talk to you. Actually, our, our first subject uh, sort of relates to X's, I guess, in a way. Our first headline here for Cyrus, Three Ways to Identify Where Love Ends and Toxicity Begins. Oh, boy. That is, for some people, that line is easier to recognize than others.
2: Yes, it can be difficult for people. You know, confusion in relationships is—it's just really hard for people to know what's actually going on. Even though they're in the one in the relationship, they experience it firsthand. They still—it it can be so confusing. And so here are some things just to think about that can kind of help you to know if you're in a bad relationship or if you're kind of maybe navigating it in a way that's leading down a bad road. So one here is that you can be sometimes like too lenient. Uh, This can particularly happen if there's something unethical. So if there's something unethical happening in a relationship, people in romance can sometimes have difficulty kind of calling their partner out on it. And that could be for a couple reasons. One is identifying. So it feels like, you know, you also did it. Like if your partner did something wrong, you can feel like you were part of it. Or if you kind of uh, talk to them about it, you can kind of feel like you're almost feeling guilty yourself about it. Uh, And then the other one is kind of fear, uh, kind of, being nervous about what their response will be, about how they'll respond to you. So if you're feeling like that, if you're feeling, oh, they've done something that's kind of unethical and you're being too lenient about that, it, that can be a sign. Another one is if it's just about utility. It's just like, I, I'm in this relationship for uh, because of practical reasons. Now, practical reasons can be a definitely a part of a healthy relationship, of course. Partnership is part of that. Uh, but if it's become only that, well, it's a sign. It's a sign, like, mm-hmm. I will be with my partner if it, was, uh, if it wasn't if it was for, you know, the prestige or their, like, our, our reputation or about the money uh, or things like that. And sometimes when you're making sacrifices too quickly, and sacrifices are wonderful in a relationship, but they can lead to negative feelings afterwards as well. So you just have to be careful about those things. And for many people, they might be like, oh, Cyrus, I'm feeling some of these things. Well, it might be good to talk to somebody about it because it can be so confusing to figure out whether this is a good relationship that you kind of just take a wrong turn in or whether this is a bigger problem.
0: I was going to ask you that. What, if you feel like, if you suspect, gee, maybe I am in a, in a toxic situation here. Sometimes you can't see that, right? Because love's involved or emotions involved. There's lots of things involved. Sometimes it's hard to see that. What do you do? Talk to a friend or friends or a family member, or do you go to a professional? What do you do to try and figure out whether it's, you know, a relationship worth salvaging and trying to fix or just walking away from it?
2: You know, it's actually a tricky question because when you go to a friend, if they're kind of a typical friend, they're going to be affirming of your feelings uh, generally. And so, uh, you know, research doesn't really support talking to even counselors on your own in order to help you in your relationship. Uh, Because oftentimes what happens is you'll talk about the negative things in the relationship and the person will be like, oh, that sounds terrible. And you'll be like, yeah, it does sound terrible. And it'll actually pull you away from that. Uh, that relationship. So sometimes counselors can kind of counteract this a little bit if they're aware of it and kind of try to be a little bit more balanced rather than just validating all of those feelings that you're having uh, about, you know, the negative feelings. Uh, but oftentimes actually couples counseling is more recommended, um, you know, to help a relationship kind of get through this. So even talking to somebody can lead to some confusion around this and, and take you down the wrong path. So I would, if it's, if you it, if you feel like you can do it, if it's, if it's safe, Uh, going and talking to a couples counselor about it with your partner is probably the the best option in order to work through something and actually save that relationship.
0: Mm -hmm. Next headline here for Cyrus, taking care of work tasks after hours may cost you. You know, there's been a lot of talk, especially lately, about whether or not you should have to deal with emails from work after hours. So I'm anxious to hear uh, what the experts are saying on this and, and what you think of this subject.
2: I mean, this is a really hard area to do research on because you could, like, obviously, well, there is a relationship between working at home and problems with your mental health. But it's hard to separate because it's like, well, is that because working at home is particularly bad for a person Uh, or is it that they've got a particularly stressful situation in their life? You know, they're trying to catch up with, uh, you know, with their bills or uh, things aren't working out the way that they would like. They've had a lot of things go wrong, so they have to work from home. But it's not the working home per se that's doing it. It's just that it's a stressful life circumstance. Uh, One of the things that I thought was interesting that might help kind of tease that apart was people who work from home, even when they kind of struggle, they have they suffer from kind of negative side effects from working from home, even when they prefer working from home, like when they like it, it still causes Problem. so that kind of leans it a little bit more towards you know it's not just like a stressful people with stressful lives have worse mental health it's also people who are just like enjoying that process of like i just want to keep working cyrus even they really struggle and one of the reasons is that when you're working from home and this might make some kind of just common sense uh you know logic have some common sense to it is that when you're working from home you can't really engage in other things you can't engage in relaxation you can't engage with other relationships and also it might be hard to sleep or like you kind of fixate on it and it's hard to separate yourself and have any time even if you're not working all the time at home it could just disrupt that process of letting go of work and engaging in other tasks and sometimes people like that but that might be a deeper problem that they can't engage in relaxation they can't engage in those other relationships and there's problems there so they're actually trying to distract themselves from either themselves and their anxiety or from their relationship so that could be a sign but uh, what you really want to be able to do, ideally, is to separate yourself from work. And that takes time. So when you work from home, it disrupts that process. So it does seem that there is evidence not just about, you know, probably it's not just about having stressful, a stressful life causing problems. It's actually the working at home process that causes problems in itself.
0: I struggle with the whole, you know, what's it like working from home? I just had somebody yesterday say to me, hey, how's it, how has it been working from home? There are good things about it and bad things about it. And as much as I hated the commute, Cyrus, driving into work every day and driving home every day and the waste of time, and not to mention energy and, you know, cost and gas and parking and all that kind of stuff, at least that commute in and out of work to and from home every day, gave me a chance to sort of clear my head and say, mm-hmm. okay, I've got home now for twelve hours, right? Or okay, I've got work now for ten hours. So it, it, it I like parts of working from home and then other parts I go, no, nah, it'd be nice if we could, you know, be at the at the station.
2: I agree. I think one thing that people really discount is the effect of cues on their mood and productivity uh, and mental health in general and so to have different like that's one way to one of the big ways to actually change your life instead of focusing on willpower and just trying to do things is to change the cues in your environment and working from home kind of messes with that because that's how powerful it is so to be at home it's, it's a home cue it's supposed to be a relaxation cue but if you're constantly working in the presence of what typically would be a relaxation cue it ceases to be a relaxation cue if you went to the beach and worked from the beach or had a job on the beach or just uh, kind of took your laptop there and worked, it would cease to be a relaxation cue for you. Uh, so oftentimes people will even say like, oh, I just I went home and, you know, I just took my – took I put my shoes off and that was just a relaxation cue to take your shoes off. It's if you work in your socks, that will be a work cue. And so these cues are so powerful. So it's really important for people to keep them separated, to have clear work cues and clear relaxation cues. And if you don't, it can be hard to relax, and it can also be hard to be productive. You just kind of end up somewhere in the middle all the time. And that's not great for your mental health.
0: Hmm. The mind is an amazing thing. And final headline here for Dr. Cyrus Dirksen, a science-based guide on how to act wisely. All right, let's hear about this one.
2: Well, I mean, oftentimes when we think about making good decisions, we think about our mind and our knowledge and our ability to think intelligently. But there's lots of people with very high IQs who are who are either young or, or don't have this wisdom. Like They, they can't uh, actually use those skills, those cognitive skills, to actually make wise decisions. So, for example, as you get older, your cognitive skills will in some ways decline. Like you can't think as quickly, uh, for example. However, people's decisions... Uh, they often become better managers because the decisions that they do make are wiser they're better decisions they don't need to make as many decisions because they don't have as many mistakes Uh, so how do you develop that wisdom so the the idea here isn't so much to have more cognitive abilities or cognitive knowledge although that's important the idea here is to be emotionally balanced so that you can actually engage in the process of thinking clearly so i for example i have people come in who are anxious And they say, I'm thinking about this thing I'm anxious about all the time. And I say, well, to help with this, we need to think about it. And they're like, I think about it all the time, Cyrus. I don't want to think about it more. And I'm like, well, I think we're going to think about it differently. So you probably have been touching on it. Like if you had a fear of death or something, you might like think about death just for a moment and then try to distract yourself and think about something else. And you're sad when you think about it again and again and again, but you don't really think about it. And that's what we do in therapy. We kind of try to be more emotionally balanced and engage in it in a deeper way. And that is something the person almost has never done. And it can lead to creative solutions. It can lead to a feeling of relaxation uh, as they learn to tolerate those feelings. And so that's what we're looking for in wisdom. We're looking for primarily some somebody who can emotionally balance themselves in order to actually engage in the in the cognitive abilities they have and actually engage in the knowledge they have.
0: Hmm. and do you all would most people i mean i suppose if it was something more serious maybe you would go to a professional a psychologist like you uh but do you always need help from a professional to deal with stuff like that or can you do it yourself with the right uh tips and and rules and and uh, a guide on
2: practice well typically like if you went to a therapist the idea here is to just become a more emotionally balanced so you can use the knowledge you already have so Oftentimes people come in they're like, I need a new skill. I'm like, Well, you probably don't need a new skill. You probably just need to emotionally balance yourself so you can engage all of those skills you already have. And you can do that at home. If you can balance your I mean, potentially. You could you if you can balance yourself at home by talking to somebody that you know or talking to somebody that you love or doing some activities that, that help you to balance yourself and feel okay all of a sudden and then go back to that thought there's a potential that maybe it won't unbalance you. Maybe it won't cause such a reaction and you can actually be creative and engage with it. So one of the main ways to do that is just to do that with somebody else. Um, I know like, I'll give you a personal example this morning or last night, I found out that my pool is leaking. So I was like, that was an emotionally disturbing experience. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's a new pool. And I'm like, I'm emotionally disturbed. I've never gone through this before. And it's a pretty bad leak, I think anyway. So I was, I was disturbed and I was like, right away I was like, My wife doesn't know really anything about the pool, but I'm like, you got to come out here with me because I can't think anymore. So I had my wife out there and I'm like showing her. (laughs) And in some ways, she doesn't care. She doesn't know what's like really what's going on. She hasn't been part of building it or maintaining it at all. But I was like, I just need somebody here in order to balance myself so that I can actually think this through and, and, you know, eventually get to bed. So I did get a few hours of sleep last night. So that's kind of what you can do. You want to emotionally balance yourself using somebody, usually using something around you, particularly a person. Mm. And then you can actually go through that process of using the knowledge and wisdom that you already possess in order to help solve that uh, solve that problem.
0: Gotcha. Well, hopefully you can enjoy the pool this weekend. You're going to need it with the Humidex uh, in the low 40s by Sunday. Cyrus, thanks a lot for this. I appreciate it.
2: For sure. Thanks a lot, Hal.